Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Are you in recovery and chose to tune in for some inspiration? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you are here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of this podcast. I spent most of my life drinking, and eventually I realized how alcohol was negatively impacting my life in many ways. One day at the age of 39, I decided I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I reached out for help. I have been sober since 2012, and it has changed my life in ways I never imagined. I am so happy that I got the chance to live a more comfortable life, free of the chains of addiction. Today, my life just keeps getting better. Sober Gratitudes was born out of the desire to recover out loud so that others could see the hope in sobriety. In each episode, I speak with a recovered alcoholic or addict who shares how their life changed for the better after they got sober. I welcome you to subscribe to my podcast to hear these amazing stories of people from all walks of life. They too want to share in this mission to help others and to end stigmas of addiction. I promise you, you will be inspired. Whether you have been here before or you were a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for dropping in today and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes Season 2, Episode 4. My name is Sarah, and I'm your host of Sober Gratitudes. I am so happy today to have a really funny guest on my show. Her name is Ange, and she identifies herself as non-binary. She's a stand-up comedian, a teacher, and host an amazing and hilarious podcast called Sober During Crisis on Podbean. We have just such a great conversation. It, we It's my first episode that I do on Zoom where we are actually looking at each other. And it just adds a whole other element to the interview. It wasn't really an interview. It was more just a conversation. And so if you have time to go for a long walk today or you're just chilling out on the couch, just put your feet up or get your walking shoes on or running shoes on and enjoy the conversation. Ange is so funny and we just talk about a lot of different things. So sit back and enjoy. And we're going to go right into um, Ange and how she identifies herself. Right. So I use pronouns typically. Yeah, it's they're tough. And I resisted it for a long time. I was like, no way in hell am I asking somebody to do that. That's just rude. I did. I really bought into this idea that like my gender confusion and truly just like inability to conform because it's not like I didn't try, you know, it's really I truly if you saw a picture of me in high school, you would not recognize me because I was like the last time I wore a dress was my senior prom actually and I did the whole thing my hair was all done up and I I mean to me gender expression gender identity and biological sex really 
are three separate things and mine have never really aligned with what with what's normal right so if we think of normal as if you're born female then usually like you're you're a girl you're girly you have feminine um ways of expressing yourself if you're born male you're you're a boy you're masculine you have more masculine ways of ways of expressing yourself and then there's we all know people who you know oh they're a tomboy right we all know like uh people that that are exceptions to the rule and the, the fact of the matter is the rule is not a hard and fast rule for everyone so there are just some people and some traits that everyone has that don't fit in with what we would think of as uh typical for that gender so uh, what your assigned gender is it, it doesn't always line up and i can think of so many examples just using my niece and nephew alone where the you know it's like, oh, he likes dinosaurs and she likes Barbie dolls, but sometimes it's not always like that, right? It's, it isn't one or the other. And that was my experience growing up when I was like literally four. I just didn't see myself the way other people saw me. I remember crying when my mom would make me wear dresses just because it didn't make sense to me. Mm. Like I didn't like pink and all that, like even just normal gender signifiers like that just didn't make sense. I liked baseball. I played football in middle school. I was the only girl in the whole league and stuff because that's what I wanted to do. And it didn't make sense to me that somebody was telling me, oh, you can't do that because of your female body. It's like, what? Yo, can I cuss on you? Oh, of course. Yeah. I'll just like, put it I would be like, fuck you. Like, I do what I want. But like, you know, within reason, obviously, I don't litter. Um, but, <laughs> good job. <laughs> you know, and I think with me, my gender expression has always been much, much more masculine, but, uh, in the DSM five, they talk about gender dysphoria as something for female bodied humans. It starts when they're four and then they do this thing and it happens for everyone with gender dysphoria. It's when your assigned gender and your biological sex don't align. So anyone that feels that they usually have a period of kind of trying to fit in in their preteens where they will like, like what I did, makeup, hair. I spent so many hours of my life straightening my hair. Dear mm -hmm. Lord, I can mm -hmm. contour like a motherfucker. But <laughs> those things just never like fit me. And I pushed it down, pushed it down. I was raised Catholic. So yeah. push it down, push it down. Drink over it, yeah. you know. I, I figured out I was gay pretty young, but really me like, as in like, I like women, but like me liking women to me didn't even matter as far as like my gender stuff, because even the girls I would like, like a lot, or the girls I would date, a lot of them were straight. And that didn't make sense. And I'm like, how are you straight? Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> like there's stuff like that that would happen and it would confuse me further. But as I've like progressed in my journey, I pretty much figured out that I'm non-binary, which basically means... Um, I just don't, yeah, I'm like right, right in the middle. Um, my gender expression's confusing for some people are often really confused about my gender. And I'm just like, bro, same, like, yeah. trust me, like I'm also confused. Like, so I do a lot of jokes about it and stand up and getting sober helped me to start processing and being okay with asking people to use they, them pronouns and stuff like that. So that you use they, them for, to refer yeah, to I just yourself? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a leap of faith because it's tough. It's tough to ask. It's a, it's a tough ask. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? God, there's courage in that. So much courage. 
and then healing it's scary people are like you fucking snowflake and shit (laughs) i'm like i know right bro i'm like i'm mad annoying i was like i want to punch me too i'm soft as fuck (laughs) (laughs) like a dikey couch pillow i'm just decorative (laughs) (laughs) you know there should be a name there should be something other than she and he now like i feel like there should be like another pronoun coined there's um z z zay is one i can't really it's but i don't use it again i think i'm just too mainstream in the sense that like i want to be accepted and there are parts of me that i haven't been able to let go of wanting to be accepted without compromising things so for me to ask somebody even to use they them pronouns has been a trip for me to go oh by the way can you refer to me in a way you might refer to an alien like to me like you know what i mean like it just it's another leap it's another step that i'm not ready to take yet but yeah they do have zize i don't know jesus used thee thy as far as i know really thee thy thou no it's a joke uh, oh um, <laughs> okay it's a, my, it, my gullible side has that's a popped up for my bible people out there <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a bible thumper so it's just <laughs> uh, don't get it. it to do with me as i will or whatever all oh, right bondage of self yeah 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 well i get it from like you know the big book <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey yeah yeah not promoting it but um so okay so yeah you're so you're relatively new in sobriety would you say yeah i got a year in on june 18th i had one year so my awesome. friday is june, june 18th 2019 how do you feel I feel great. I've had lots of sobriety dates before, so I really try not to overly focus on number of days I have or what my date is and more so focus on the day-to-day recovery. Yeah. And that helps me take the pressure off myself, you know, because I really, my sobriety date was October 31st, 2013. I loved that. To me, that was very aesthetic of a date to have, like, ooh, 103113 <laughs> looks beautiful on paper. And um, unfortunately, that didn't stick. So, I've tried to take away the <laughs> the pressure of having, you know, just living the day, living the moment. Yeah. But yeah, I feel good. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. One year is huge. So the, this is the first time you've gotten to one year? No, I've, no, it's not. Set. Okay. So what's different? Exactly, so, but <laughs> it's not so, set. Yeah. Well, of course, so a lot of us, we have, you know, in like, I, I'm in a program and, and I, before my program, I was trying to get sober on my own constantly so I consider myself like not a, like a first-time winner you know like I was constantly trying to get sober using you know my own programs you know and making up on my own so like you know the fact that we're alive is a miracle right that we're here now and we've got some you know for me like I know that um I, I can't I couldn't get sober on my own I needed help so that was my final that was the end all be all in terms of getting sober so what what for you what was the thing that what 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 do you feel is different this time yeah that's a great question and i yeah and i appreciate you reflecting about you know it not being a a first time winner but also realizing like asking for help was was the solution i think that's you know i did it quote unquote on my own meaning like I, i have been crisis and i have done iops and inpatient and stuff like that but what was different about this time was i actually voluntarily went into uh, a treatment center, a full-time inpatient treatment center. I did 30 days 
and it happened that this particular program is a has takes a holistic approach and so while we did do classes and they did bring 12 steps in at night the 12 step meetings were actually optional and the classes we did were a lot more of a full kind of a full approach to teaching about recovery and the brain and emotional regulation um, all sorts of good tools in there and then in the afternoons we did activities and so for me getting to do stuff that I just didn't realize I would enjoy doing things sober and that's what that program helped me to realize as well as giving me 30 days to get myself together you know I cried a lot it was a lot of crying oh yeah <laughs> but oh my you know, gosh just, oh god just the bottom of the barrel like like I fucked up everything like <laughs> Oh jeez, I know. Just like the, I, I I know it's like because then you're you're detoxing, and it's not just the fit. Like and then 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 you're like all of a sudden feeling all this shit, and you're like oh, the worst. I like I don't want to feel this like harshly. Like everything, like every and everything looked more beautiful, and the music was like too beautiful to listen to. I couldn't listen to it because I just cry listening to music. So like my senses were like so like like yeah zap zap you know like everything was just you know like zap is a good way to put it yep <laughs> yeah like it was like ah like I felt like I was just I don't know now my skin was crawling but yeah. I think it was just like my body was like almost like re-entering you know yeah this dimension I guess and and realizing how much alcohol was doing for me emotionally you know, just so much anxiety. I had, I still to this day have anxiety before I do anything, like anything. I, I like the other day and I'm fully sober. And the other day I had like a mental breakdown about having to go to the grocery store later. I was like, I have to go to the grocery store later. I mean, part of that is COVID 1000%. Mm-hmm. But I remember having really similar feelings when I was drinking where I was like, I have to drink this entire six pack or I can't go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like almost you know, verbatim, but now I don't drink over it. You know, I just I try and turn it over and trust the process and realize, hey, if anything catastrophically terrible is going to happen on the way or while I'm there, it's going to happen and I will handle it and I know how to. And I and I don't have to drink over it, which is incredible because I used to drink over fucking anything. I trip on my shoelace. Bitch, I got to get a beer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's Tuesday. I'm drinking. You're right. Did you say it's a Tuesday. Hey, okay. Turn up. Turn up Tuesday. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I had a thing for every day. Oh, wet, wet Wednesdays. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thursdays. Freaky Friday. Salty Saturday. Sad Is that Sunday, is that Sunday <laughs> fun day? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying words at this point. My bad. <laughs> Okay, this, uh, that was a segment called alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so while we're on the funnies, like, you, you, so Ange, oh, ha- oh, <laughs> Ange is a stand-up comic, right? So you, th- that's like what you do for a living. No, I'm a teacher. Oh my gosh, even better. Yeah, so the I'm kids a- must love you. Oh man, do they want to punch me? Whew. What? Yeah, I am annoying. No, because I'm very, very strict. I believe discipline is how people get educated. And I, and the, that's why I need to get out of teaching, actually, is that my belief that discipline is so important and my, and my knowledge that that's what kids need to actually, pu- like, to push themselves to succeed. I don't, mean, I don't mean ridiculous consequences. I mean rational, restorative justice consequences with discipline and structure that an adult provides. And because of that aspect of my personality, it's really hard because I can't be goofy with them. 
the second you're goofy with a 15 year old or a 13 year old or a 10 year old because i've done fifth grade seventh grade ninth grade the second you're goofy with a child they will immediately take that as a sign that they can just be goofy and disregard your directions and especially because mm. i'm not a family member right i'm a random five foot four white female like they have like they <laughs> there's not a lot of trust in that i'm gonna guide them in the right way so i have to like be really serious and i hate it's like such bad cognitive dissonance because i'm mm. a goofy goofy person at my core <laughs> i just can't you know when i'm in the classroom i have to be like somebody that i'm and by the end of the year i can definitely be relaxed but it take, it's a long year. It's a long-ass year if you crack a joke on the first day. Yeah. Whew. And if that's, like, your default, then yeah. I can oh, see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bad. I have a whole – I do a lot of jokes about teaching because I think it's so hard to just be constantly on guard all day. Yeah. I, I can't ima- – like, I have a whole new – like, I've always admired teachers because I – Everyone growing up said to me, oh, you'd be a great teacher. I'm like, why do people say that to me? Like, no, I don't want to be a teacher. I suck. I suck at it. Like I tried it after college. I'm like, mm-mm. And um, so I just really like, like the patience and the organization. And the thing is like, I can't add two plus two sometimes. Like I just could, I could never help my, my sons in their third grade math. Like, the, I mean. Well, you can thank Common Core for that. <laughs> we can have a whole other we can have a whole other podcast on that oh my why we hate common core <laughs> i actually as an english teacher i really appreciated what it was some of what it was trying to do from like uh because it forces kids to not just like answer who what when where why questions but to like get evidence and make substantial claims and support it with evidence from the text it just like it makes kids have to have a deeper understanding of what they're reading. Unfortunately, what happens is we just glaze over all the basic comprehension in elementary school and get to a point where they're at middle school. Now we're asking them to make these like insightful ass claims and get evidence, but they were robbed of that like comp- basic comprehension in elementary school. So in like phonics, they took phonics out. And so they took, yeah. I don't know why I just got on that soapbox of all soapboxes. <laughs> Well, teach education's big right now, you know, because it's like distance learning or what? What are we going to do in the fall? Like we we won't know till the eleventh hour, I think. But it's yeah. just crazy. And so, so are you dis? Are you teaching distance learning I right was, now? Was um, okay. Summer. We're in summer, so okay. So you're, well, gonna- I'm actively applying to new jobs. Actually, I'm trying to do. I'm actually trying to work at the rehab I went to because it's right awesome. down the street. I just moved over here and. Yeah, it's awesome. I hope to be able to teach still, but to teach about recovery. And then Mm. the afternoon portion of the job is to bring a bunch of people in recovery out to do fun shit. So yeah, I'm I'm in, you know, that's awesome. Okay, so, um, you know, I love this conversation so far, but we're doing it like going all over the place organically. But so, so you, um, you've been sober a year, you tried number times to get sober what like what how did it for you how did it start like what what was like what happened for you like in like when you were introduced to the uh numbing agent that we call drugs and alcohol (laughs) oh yeah getting yeah i mean i think childhood trauma a lot of people have in common that i've spoken with right 
And um, so a lot of that and a lot of taking on way too much responsibility from a young age to the point where like I wasn't, I was pretty much robbed of my childhood. So the second that I tried alcohol and realized it helped me relax, like something most adults would, you know, have realized. I was, I think the first time I was, it, I really got drunk was at 11, but it wasn't, I didn't then drink all the time. Um, it was like one time, 4th of July thing, I was sipping off my mom's beer. Somebody left a bottle of gin and I took a swig. And essentially what happened was I sat there as a child and went, oh my God, I don't have any stress or anxiety. My mom was running around like, can you help me get the kids? And I just sat there and was like, this isn't my job. Like I just, I was finally relaxed for the first time. And then several years later, I think 15 or six, yeah, 15, I was, then I started like really drink. And I was all about just chasing it, trying to get mm. it. You know, I would steal it, whatever, whatever I had to do. And then pretty much, yeah, it was like, I was a puker. I never, never knew my limits ever <laughs> and obviously along with drugs and stuff that comes with it it's just it, it the the bottom rises up to hit you as they say yeah so on the outside things were looking pretty good though which which was extra confusing you know? ah so i get that you're good yeah. at like kind of playing the roles right oh hell yeah yeah <laughs> everything looks fine from the outside yeah, and to me, that's why my emotional bottoms, if you will, are the reasons I I saw out a twelve step program, or the because re- that's where I started. Really, was I just uh, my aunt brought me to a meeting when I was seventeen. She has thirteen years clean. She's amazing. I do an episode with her on uh, sober during crisis, actually. Um, and that oh, first, wait, meeting, you already did one with her? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Which episode is it? Uh, it's called. Ooh, I think it's called Do the Next Right Thing, but that might be a lie. But let's, while we're at it, let's plug your your podcast. Oh, yeah. I started doing this uh, podcast called Sober During Crisis. Check it out. And I was on it, and it was lots of fun. Yeah, I was really spazzy on it, talking about how psyched I am to be sober. No, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of enthusiasm we all need to bring to this shit. Yeah. I like, I am in recovery, and I love recovery. Like, fuck that shit. <laughs> if I wanted to listen to Alexa talk to me, I would talk to Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, tell me about recovery. Recovery? Did you mean hot dogs? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome podcast. So, so you're, that's awesome. It's a fantastic podcast. So everyone go listen to it. Subscribe and give it five stars and write a review. And Six stars if you can. Six out of five. That'd be great. Oh, there's six available? No, I'm just lying. Oh my God, here we go. Gullible. <laughs> you, like you're fine. You found my gullible tr- uh, button. <laughs> it's, it's because I flips between the serious and goofy too much. I know. <laughs> it's a flaw. It's, a, it's truly a fatal flaw. No, but it's, it's, it's a gift. I think it's a real gift. I know, I know other sarcastic people who do that. Like, but then, so, like, so now that I know that, I'm going to have to really pay attention. Oh, but I'm yeah. like, I love sarcasm. If it's done like with, like with um like i love sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) okay just also have to tell the listeners this is my first episode recording 
on Zoom where we both see each other. Yeah, it's great. And, <laughs> and I should have been doing this from the beginning. It's just, just so much more comfortable. I also have rubber face, which is like, <laughs> as somebody told me that, I was like, I taught in the South for a couple of years. I was a teacher in Nashville. And they always came up with the best ways to describe, like they would call me a Yankee a lot, which I thought was offensive and might still be offensive actually. But that was just like my name in the, in the building. And then someone like they would, you know, they would always bless my heart, which I didn't find out until I moved back up here means basically, Oh, you poor thing. Oh, really? Yeah. They're like, bless your heart. it's like, Oh, Oh, I thought it was like an endearing statement. Like, Oh, bless your heart. Like, Oh, uh, you're so sweet. Yeah, that's what you would think. That's what I definitely thought. Oh my gosh, I've been totally duped. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are some contexts in which it isn't used sardonically, but now that I think of it, yeah, it's pretty much always like, wow, what the fuck? But in a nicer way. <laughs> that's, that's Southern politeness. They're very polite down there and they talk mm-hmm. shit in the nicest way. <laughs> I loved it. It was. <laughs> I truly was cannot like, be trusted. You know, I came back up to the East Coast and I was like, everyone's so fucking mean. And that is true. <laughs> we are very mean up here. And there are some reasons to miss it. I really, I'm serious. Yeah. Well, there's I think a lot of people re- think that South is just full of like dumb people. But it's like, no, there's like a ton of really smart folks down there. Yeah. There's a ton, like, oh gosh, we can go on to, we can start a whole other podcast just on like, how people are so fucking different in this country and yeah. how the current leader leader <laughs> has like completely polarized for, for the sake of people listening. I was quoting, yeah. sorry, I was getting a little political there. I'm trying not to get political on the it's podcast, hard. but you know, the it's because there's safety involved now. That's why it's just like, I wish I don't even care. Honestly, to me, the party that you're affiliated with matters so much less than your ability to keep your people safe. Like mm-hmm. people are legitimately dying in the hundreds every day and mm-hmm. we don't have the leadership or the policies to protect us. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even matter what happened up to this point, like what decisions were made by the administration or lies were told, like this is just basic human needs are not being met. So like, like can someone please help like you know what i mean and for president oh yeah sure yeah yeah <laughs> i wish if it was me i would pick cory booker as my vp i'm not gonna lie to you awesome be, he's a good guy i think yeah I, I didn't live in jersey when he was there but no he is i like him you you're that's where you're from right jersey uh-huh. i'm what jersey a- girl yeah he- yeah i couldn't get away from it i tried to and i came back just pulled me back mm. even yeah. to the same town i grew up in i'm like what the fuck that's what's up though i teach at the high school i went to i get it oh really yeah (laughs) i'm not even kidding (laughs) i'm not joking did you graduate the school saying i'm never fucking coming back (laughs) yeah and then i don't even visit a teacher here and i truly didn't i didn't walk back into the building until my first day employed again at the school okay and it's i mean so you went you went to rehab while you were teaching I actually, oh, this is a cool story. I'll tell you, I'm gonna let me take you guys on a journey. Um, my last day of teaching last year, the very last day of school, it's a half day. I went to the principal because I like I had talked to some other teachers and they suggested just going to talk right to him. He's a he's a good guy. He was my principal when I was a student, 
so that's even weirder. Um, but I, you know, so he's, he's you know, because I know him as Dr. Tokars and he's like, no, no, call me Tad. And I'm like, no, you're always going to be my principal. There's no <laughs> way I'm calling you Tad. Thanks anyway. <laughs> so I went to him and I was like, listen, if I, if I don't get clean, if I don't get sober, basically, I won't be able to come back teaching. That was, that was my decision was because I was struggling so bad and at this point, my my fiance had broken up with me. I had no money. It was, my life was completely falling apart. The only thing I really had going for me was my teaching job and my car. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are other things. And my comedy career, but you know, I was inside. I was just completely demoralized. So what he does is he he calls teacher down. This dude I'd never seen before, and he's in the program. He's in AA. And he's like, yeah, let's get you into a rehab right now. Oh, my God. And before I even left from that half day of school, I wasn't even – I drove myself home. They followed me, my principal and this teacher. Oh, and it took seven hours to get me into a rehab. So not only did they stay seven hours after work, on a half day, on the last day of work to get me into a rehab, they helped me make calls. They advocated for me. They both were calling my um, insurance companies and doctors, like – because my principal, he's a big name in the city. He's huge. I mean, our our sports team, our football teams won states the past two years. I mean, you know what I mean? So if you're the principal of that school, people know who you are. He was. They were both pulling strings for me. They got me into that really nice rehab on a scholarship because they weren't going to take my teacher insurance. And then they drove me there. It was a freaking 50-minute drive to the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, and they drove me. They dropped me off. And the crazy thing is we walk in and the secretary of the rehab is one of the other vice principal's wives. So <laughs> we're standing there, the three of us, and this lady is like, Tad, like, why are you here? He thought he was checking him. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is the funniest shit because he's, he's yeah, that would not be the case. Like, no, no, not me, not me, not <laughs> yeah, me. Right, right. <laughs> so. Well, bless their hearts. Yeah. I yes, but that, not the southern way in the eastern state way yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow yeah. that is amazing but you but it was because you decided you needed help I literally all I had to do was tell like two people and I got the help and to yeah. think that that whole time I was struggling as bad as I was without reaching out you know there's something about like you know showing our vulnerability and like surrendering to people like I, I, it brings out the best in other people I think for the most part like if if because you know can you imagine like do you think if I, I don't know like if you're if those teachers you or the, if you said to them you know I've got I've really I'm struggling here I've got a problem they're like oh you're fired I mean right. Well, they can't legally, they can't, but I, but if they had said, I actually did have an experience working for a charter school where they were, they wanted really badly to be supportive, but they were struggling because their system wasn't set up to maintain having a teacher out for more oh. than a week. Oh. And so when I reached out and was like, I'm really struggling with my mental health, it was, it was mostly addiction, but other things as well. Yeah. It was really, you could tell they were like, what the fuck you can't do this to us you know that kind of toxic work like we're a family 
look, anytime your job tells you you're a family, that's a toxic workspace, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not a family. Like, a family is where you go on Christmas. Like, come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so that's so awesome then. The, the seven hours, man. And then you were there for how, how long were you there? A month? Uh, 30, yeah, 31 days. Yeah. And so you got, you, you, so you purged a lot of shit there, huh? Yeah. I, well, I was in the detox side for seven days, which is shitty because it was terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I did, I did, uh, I did get to forge good enough relationships with the employees that I convinced them to let me skip programs in order to watch the women's world cup. And I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> best that I ever did. I was like, this is important to my sobriety. <laughs> but it was, though. I was so invested in the women winning the World Cup. And then when they had the World Cup final, this is how you pull strings, I made it so no one had to go to class so everyone in the whole place could watch the women's soccer game. Oh, my God. Ange for president. Look at you pulling, like, all these things. I said, you would have done this shit for the – I said, you would have done this for the Super Bowl. Tell me you didn't do this for the Super Bowl. And they had. They canceled classes for the Super Bowl. So I was like, oh. we're in the fucking World Cup. So don't tell me it's any different. <laughs> wow, Ange for for president or district attorney. Oh, lit. That'd be lit. I do think about going to law school sometimes, but I don't. I'm already in so much debt from school. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful to have a job still. I, I am still employed as a teacher until I officially get something else, so yeah so yeah so you started this podcast your podcast which was awesome now how has that been for your recovery amazing i call people all the time now you know i wasn't like a caller Uh (laughs) Um, and what you were saying about vulnerability too i definitely think is true like when you make yourself vulnerable people not only will they open up but i feel like it's just like there's a deeper understanding of that person as a human so you're more likely to be treated like a human yeah 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 there's something about i mean it's scary to like to you feel you feel like i know for me like it's like almost like exposing all the ugliness and the the kind of the the weaknesses about me that's how i kind of felt in the beginning right like it was like embarrassing and shameful but then i realized that in being vulnerable and just like i cried a lot in early recovery too and i'm i'm a i'm a crier like i but i'm a little more controlled now like i don't you know because i've got my shit together for the most part and um but what like being vulnerable like that like just it just heal it just is so healing for your for yourself like for me like i just felt like i healed so much shit that needed to be healed yeah yeah and then that's how like you recover right yeah not just putting down the drink not just putting it down yeah yeah so that's awesome that you could you could do that yeah well i about crying and everything something i keep realizing and it does kind of go back to gender is that like i you know just because i may think of myself in a certain way like even within my own self, I have to break down boundaries because I wasn't like letting myself cry or process feelings. I thought like, honestly, it was a gender thing. It was like that, that like 
like that's not manly. It's like almost like I had internalized some toxic masculinity, and I definitely did actually. I know that for a fact, and I wouldn't let myself feel in public or ask for help. I thought I had to do everything on my own, and you know, part of that is like no man has ever raised me. Like my dad went to jail when I was really young, and he did his best. And then my mom, like I basically raised her and her kids. So to me, I've always been self-reliant. I've always been, nobody's ever really, except for my teachers who I always really looked up to. Like no one's been consistently there for me to tell me what to do. So it's hard for me to realize, to admit that shit hurts or like mm-hmm. that something's wrong or that I need something. Like I hate moving yeah. because I hate asking for help. Uh, I'm too small to move shit by myself but I can't (laughs) like this last time I moved I just paid for movers you know like stuff like that I still have to let go of a lot of just toxic thinking and not letting myself open up that's rough yeah it takes time I mean it gets over time it gets a lot easier to those things that were the way we're used to living you know like the way we cope the way we managed in life you know, it, 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 for me, it wasn't healthy. I didn't really, I didn't cope and manage life in a healthy way. And it's kind of like, you have to unlearn that, you know? And I got like, you, you're really young. Like I got, I got like sober at 39. So like all those years of like drinking and then just coping in a, in a dysfunctional way and like being in relationships in very dysfunctional ways yeah. and like, like, full of self-pity all the time and like manipulating in ways you know not realizing I was manipulating to get things to go my way and stuff and yeah but now like I'm learning more you know that that goes it's like it goes away like the more you learn about yourself the more you're willing to kind of like to accept help from people who offer help and continuous growth again because it's not just putting down the bottle if you if if you really want to get truly sober right Oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, cause you go back, it's too easy to go back to drinking. If you're not going to deal with the reasons you're drinking it's so easy just to resort back to it. So you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you can go. Well, no, I was curious. Like, do you, like, I'm, I know like in zoom world, there's so many meetings and I do see so many meetings for the LGBTQ. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Community. Okay, good. Yeah. It's um, a what? It's a mouthful. <laughs> We're trying to make it so it's just queer, but we'll see. Yeah, not, that's not cool. We, I don't speak on behalf of anybody, but okay. me, and my friends, me and my three friends. Yeah. <laughs> so do you go to meetings that are exclusively? Yeah, I do actually. My two home groups are both. Uh, yeah. That's both awesome. Queer meetings. The Thursday, I love the Thursday one. Anybody can message me for these. I'll give you the the Zoom. Um, it's just oh, they're great. Yeah. Yeah, go to Thursday um, and Friday, and I chair them both sometimes. No way. That's yeah, so great. The service part has become fun now, um, partially because I got used to hosting open mics, and then that all fell off. So now I host Zoom meetings and. Who knew the two things could be so complimentary? That's awesome. And this is, this is all transpired from, 
just from the beginning of COVID? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely still going to those meetings every week, but I was a little more timid about taking leadership positions. You know, I was a secretary for one for a while, and that was fun. I did, I did the whole greeter thing too, but I was a little more timid about time commitments. I also just moved over here, and the meetings, all of the LGBTQ meetings in this part of the state are in North, in the town of Northampton, and I was living 45 minutes away. And that's one of the issues that I find with being queer in a 12-step program is just accessibility stuff. I mean, there might be one meeting a week that you feel comfortable at. And to me, that that's not enough meetings. No. But I do run into issues sometimes. I hear all the time, you know, men sponsor men and women sponsor women. And that's just super confusing for me because, like, I don't know. Why would I... That that shouldn't apply to everyone, right? I mean, it just makes fucking common sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that a female sponsor is always the best idea for me, especially if there's a dude working the same, working a good program. Mm-hmm. You're really gonna tell me that he can't sponsor me? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. I did have a guy come into a detox on a um, on a service commitment, and get into it. I mean, this dude must. I don't want to take his inventory, but he must have been working a shit program because <laughs> he got into a screaming match with me. I'm in the detox over that over that concept. Uh, and I, I still have a resentment, so I obviously need to go add this shit to my four step. But yeah, yeah, add that it shit. It really pissed yeah. me off. I was like, you don't know what's best for everyone's program. Like, why do you think you do? You know? Well, well then, he, and then you like wonder about his program if he's like screaming shit at you like that. Right. I'm like, like I'm in a detox, bro. I'm wearing a onesie or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have a Rolex on. Come on now. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that is like nowadays. Like the whole men stay with the men, women stay with the women. Like it. It. Like yeah, that's what I was like. This wasn't that long ago, though. That's what I was like. What year did you just walk in here from? <laughs> like. Uh-huh. You know? Over time, over time, it's gonna change though, because you know the old timers are gonna die. I mean, bless their hearts, they're gonna die. <laughs> and they're like the. Mo- <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I do, and there's I love so many old timers in right. the groups that I go to, and uh, bless their hearts. And, and I'm saying so- not, not everyone, because it's not only it's not only uh, folks of the older generations like. I've true, heard true. similarly ignorant, though not word for word, but similarly ignorant things said in meetings. I have this issue all the time with young people's meetings where I'll try to go and talk to whatever group of people I like seems chill, but there's always these unspoken clicks and maybe unspoken whatever. So you know, I did have an issue, but I've had a couple issues where I've gone up to dudes who shared and been like, yo, man, I really liked your share. Like, could I get your number so I can call you sometime? And then he'll be like, oh, come here. Like, let me introduce you to my friend, Amy. And I'm like, if I wanted to go chat with Amy, I would have just gone and chatted with Amy, Wade, you know, or whatever. I'm making up names. But, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so to me, the, that idea that like, oh, because I'm male bodied, I can't even just, I can't even be a part of someone else's recovery. I don't know. It that does scare me a little bit, you know. Yeah. Well, and this isn't to deter people from trying out, you know, programs. Um, you know, the programs that we're working. You know, there's always going to be 
<clears throat> I still very, you just got to find the meetings you feel the most comfortable. Right. Yeah. But period. Yeah. I there's mean, so there's so many, you know, if it, you hate exactly. one. Exactly. Yep. And, and one or two toxic people are not the whole meeting. And right. And they're, they're not the whole entire program either. Cause right. that's what, yeah. And I mean, to this day, I'll be like, oh, great meeting, but okay, I'm going to, and I'm like, nah. you know, somebody might just say something and I'm not in the right frame of mind. I'm like, I'm going to jump off this and go find another one, you know? Yeah. And oh, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's so much easier on zoom. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah I know. Right? Like in-person meetings, I'll be sitting there. I hate those <laughs> meetings where, you know, what I'm talking about where it's like 45 people on their phones, three people walking around, you know, it's, or it's just like, there's just really low engagement. Um, I hate anybody talking over somebody speaking as a teacher that drives me fucking bonkers and I can't do anything about it in an AA room. <laughs> so the Zoom to me actually has been a blessing and for, for some, again, find meetings you're comfortable with. And there are plenty, there are plenty of meetings I, w- I would go to any day. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And the, and you know, there's something about Zoom, like that it creates more of an in, it's intimacy and accountability. Like, you, you know, when people are looking at their phones, when you're looking at everyone's faces, yeah, you know, like, and you can see it shining, you know, yeah, shining shine up, you know, like the, the, the okay. glare from the phone. <laughs> and I confess, I've had to like answer calls when I or text when I've been on. I confess, I will be honest, but you know, that when I picture going back to meetings and everyone's sitting just kind of like facing the leader. Yeah. I'm going to be like, let's all sit in a circle. Circle time. So we can see each other's face. I mean, that's, yeah. And that's just like, even in a classroom, it bugs me because I'll be trying to have a discussion and I'm like, we need to look, when somebody's sharing, we need to look at them. And that to me is just basic 101, how to people, you know, <laughs> yeah. look at the person speaking. If you, ha- if you have to do something distracting, go somewhere else to do it. You know, hold on. Sorry, my hair is so bad right now. I look like I'm in the fucking revolutionary war. (laughs) (laughs) We'll use that as the promotional picture. Good, yeah. (laughs) I look like a 90s boy that is now trying to be a TikTok dancer. (sighs) It's so bad. I look like Thackeray Binks from Hocus Pocus. I don't even know what that is. I'm dating myself. Well, oh, so um, what do you think the what what would you want to tell the listeners about your your journey? Like, what has been like? I don't know. I um, mm. like what like. I I guess any words of of wisdom that you've or your experience in you know in and out you know, and what has been the key, I guess, to really getting sober and, and how is it like truly better? Cause people like, I always, you know, you always hear like, people are like, uh, it's so boring. Like sobriety is so boring. Oh my God. That's bullshit. Sobriety is yeah. mad fun. You're boring. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's like, the issue. Like people let themselves get boring in recovery. Fuck that shit. Don't let yourself get boring. I'm still the same rascal ass, wildin. You know, like, like I really am so extra sometimes. And and the reason I let myself be that way is because I tried to 
cover up and hide who I was for so long. Like, I'm so sick of lying to people. I'm mm. so sick of hiding shit. You yeah. know, I can't tell you the number of times I, like, I was always drinking and driving. I was always, I had to drink before I left just to go somewhere. And then I had to sit in the car and finish my drink so I could get in there. And now I just, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to run around and hide who I am from anyone. So if people don't like me, that's fine. They don't have to talk to me. I work my program the way I work my program and I'm myself, you know, and then anything I can do that's as long as it's uh, not dangerous to my recovery, I do it. You know, I don't, I didn't stop doing stand-up comedy in bars just because I stopped drinking. Why would I, why would I do that? That's uh, the community I have around com uh, comedy is like super supportive of me being sober. That's There's awesome. sober people everywhere. You know, yeah. you just have to open up and say like, you know, no one will give you shit for being sober either. That's not a thing. <laughs> well nobody asked me like I, like yeah. a lot of people know i'm so, like i've been like putting myself out there on facebook and everything and because i'm just like fuck it you know this is who i am yeah. and my whole life like is is you know just blew blew up in like this amazingly beautiful ways because <clears throat> i got sober and it's just and now that's all i want to do is like talk about sobriety and help other people and bring awareness to the world and to communities and you know, do service work and volunteer at rehabs and just do all that kind of shit. Cause there's a lot of sick people out there. And, you know, a lot of people are like so ashamed of their, and they think it's such a shameful thing. And, and, you know, I get that, but it's like, it's so free, like the free, isn't it like the freedom? Yeah. Like of not having to keep that secret, like the secret of your, your, um, your journey with gender, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that was like, did that, was that something that went along with coming out with your sobriety or was mm -hmm. that well I, before? I mean, that, yeah, that one, that one's got layers. That one's got layers for sure. You know, I think coming out about being sober has been an ongoing process. The hardest part is that I will relapse. I've relapsed a lot. I've gotten three months, then gone out for, you know, six months. Then I get two months, go out for four months. And that was my pattern for a long time, from 2012 until 2019. I mean, and even in there, I was sober for two and a half years at one point. And like white knuckling it? No, I, I was working a program, but oh, okay. it got, I mean, it got, I had like a manically, a medically induced manic episode because i was trying to i had a lot of depression still gotcha put me on something that really fucked with my brain and just i was in a situation where no one i didn't have anyone in my life to catch it or help me um get back on track so it ended because i started drinking and ended up hospitalized and everything gotcha so it was the wrong med oh hell yeah by a lot and i yeah and that was like, that was a really dark time because I had two and a half years sober. I was struggling with a lot of mental health stuff. I started taking Adderall, which I really regret doing. Well, I started getting prescribed it. I had taken it recreationally before, but getting prescribed Adderall for me was a turning point. Like from there, I started using weed again, you know, using weed, LOL. You know what I mean? <laughs> for folks. Um, but, you know, and then from there, it wasn't, it wasn't, then I got on this other new med and within a couple of weeks I was drinking to manage everything. And it was just a slippery slope. I wasn't going to enough meetings and I didn't have enough community. So 
there weren't enough people to run things by. Um, yeah, so having the time I, I do now, I just got kind of lost. I forgot what I was about to tell you. Well, we were kind of, I, kind of, I'm, <clears throat> I was kind of all over the place with questions about like just what um, what would you what words of wisdom would you offer a listener like somebody who's struggling, maybe somebody who's yeah. struggling with their sexuality. Um, oh what yeah, kind yeah. Of hope, you know? as, yep, that's right. As far as gender and oh, coming out about being sober and everything. So basically, long story short, it's been a journey. And there have been times where I've posted about my sobriety and then relapsed and felt so much shame, just like shame on top of shame, because I felt like I was letting myself down. I was letting other people down. Oh, what are people going to think of me now? I failed again at being sober. And the end of the day for me, I had to stop beating myself up. I had to stop just hating myself and start doing, like stop Mm -hmm. thinking about how much you hate yourself and just start trying to to walk the life in recovery go to meetings like if if you hate them just try different ones Mm -hmm. and stop thinking start doing that's like what i had to do um i had to ask for help like you've heard i mean i just told some examples of times that it panned out i haven't had one time that made myself vulnerable that i regretted it unless the person that made myself vulnerable to was actually a piece of shit. And <laughs> I promise that will happen too. <laughs> but don't let that be your basis for everyone. Not everyone's a piece of shit. You know, I don't I never I don't really have parents in the traditional sense. So it's hard for me to trust people. But that doesn't mean that I don't ask for help today. You know, not everybody is gonna screw me over. Which is a hard thing to realize. Um, yeah. Well you're in a good community, sounds like doing all right yeah for gender stuff too though like I really recommend not letting anybody discourage you I had some people I looked up to who were also members of the LGBTQ community a teacher of mine who was a lesbian who tried to basically convince me that I wasn't trans and it just threw me off on my journey because like I needed like don't let anybody try to convince you that you're not something um, they probably don't know you as well as you do. And I'm pretty sure you can trust yourself to figure out what you are, whether that be gay, bi, whatever, asexual, fuck it. You know, like whatever it is, don't let somebody tell you you're not that, you know, you can, and also you can hold two things at the same time. So you can feel like, like two things can be true at once when it comes to your identity. Um, I definitely, you know, I have days where I feel really feminine and, then I start my period, but that's <laughs> 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 always what it is. But <laughs> oh, there we go. That's why. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I know I've been rage quitting every video game and then crying about it. Um, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like for real. Now I know why I cried when I. Yeah, it's it's. Like so, I, everyone has days too, but you you can hold two truths about yourself that seem to be conflicting. You know, for me, being white but being poor, I remember not understanding my privilege, and now I understand that like I might have grown up without a lot of privileges that other white people did, but it doesn't mean that I don't have white privilege. I have to hold both of those things to be true at the same time. You know, I have to both like elevate black voices and also shut the fuck up. Like those two things yeah. have to happen and like at the same time. So the same thing could be true about um, 
about your gender. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think the that's the listeners. People will get people always seem to get something out of all of my episodes and not to be like going back to my podcast, but basically everyone who's on my podcast it I always get feedback from every single one from people like that episode helped me so much that's amazing and and like that and and that is like the best fucking feeling ever like i cry like i've there's been a couple that have been like mind-blowing like and and so like for for this one for this one this is new and this is where i want to go in season two is like just really open up like who i'm bringing on to my show Mm mm-hmm because there's um, so much identities in, in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like everything, like, you know, because like I, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I had an interview with somebody who talked a lot about trauma and addiction, you know, that, you know, and <clears throat> you know, that now with you, like, I don't know, we didn't really get into it that much, but I don't know how much about your gender, um, conf- I don't know if you were ever in this, the, con- can I say confused? Like oh, you were I'm confu- still actively in that state. Okay. 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 So like how I much- have no fucking clue. I know non-binary is way of saying, I don't know, somewhere in the middle, like, okay. <laughs> but the fact that you're not drinking over it today, that's, I mean, that's like, oh yeah. Something yeah. to celebrate, you know? Yeah. Cause we've all got shit, right? We've all got shit that we have to deal with, you know, things of our past or things that are going on that you can say, I'm going to drink over or, and it just makes it worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, my dad, so my, my dad was a defense attorney, a high school English teacher, and now he's a convicted felon who's had a million dollar bail multiple times. And for you know, being told that I'm exactly like him my whole life, obviously that could be confusing in a gender way, but that's, that wasn't confusing. I know we're very similar personality wise. I mean, interest wise, et cetera, but also being compared to somebody who's a convicted felon and an alcoholic, you know, who taught me, who raised me up until I was eight. So I have, I was influenced by him very heavily. I think education is very important. That's something he drilled into me. And then this is a person now, if I want to accept the collect charges from, you know, to, talk to him in jail you know but a lot of times i mean he's very mentally ill um and he doesn't he doesn't get the help he needs right so something i learned from him and from watching him struggle with addiction is that like if i want to be like him i can be if i want to continue to scam people and abuse women and be off the rails insane like there i can make i can continue to use if i want um at this point because i have been given the gift of sobriety so i now it's a choice Mm -hmm. Uh, but i did have to ask for help to get there right so now that i have this gift of sobriety um i i actively make a decision every day like i'm not picking up today no matter what and to me that like that lets me continue to be useful to society rather than be behind bars because Mm -hmm. it's really not that incomprehensible for me to to follow in the footsteps of the you know the person that's supposed to be leading by example, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you know, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And to have that choice. I mean, that's the thing that, that we have, we have choices today where like the chains of addiction are gone. Yeah. So we have the choices and yeah, we have the, I have the choice. I could go out and go get a bottle of wine and drink it right now, but hell no, I'm not going to do I'm not going to do it. It would be worth it for like literally one minute. And then I would be like, why did I do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like there, were, there might be the smallest fraction of an amount of time where that, cause I have to admit to myself, there are times that it does, it looks, it looks great. I'm just glorifying something or I'm just off, awfulizing my sobriety, which is really easy to do. Like that going back to the board thing, like, yeah, a lot of times if I'm bored, it's because I'm scared to take a risk and try something new that I've been wanting to try. Mm-hmm. You know, I, maybe I have anxiety about it or, you know, like there, there are definitely days when I'm like, man, I could use an escape from reality. Then I go for a walk. Like then I meditate. Mm-hmm. Then I read a book. Mm-hmm. Then I play a video game. Like there, literally, just put on a podcast and go do the dishes. The best advice I ever got was if you feel like you're about to drink, just take a nap. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. I just go to bed. <laughs> Not really yeah. anymore, but there. That's yeah. how I got through some times of early recovery. I would wake up, go to work, come home, just go to bed. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to do that obviously go to meetings, talk to people and build a community. But there are going to be days when you feel like if I leave my house right now, I'm about to go to the packy or sorry, that's what they call it in mass. Um, the liquor store. Yeah. The what? The packy? The packy. Yeah. I've Get never a- ever heard that. I'm not Catholic. So I don't know. No, not cat. Massachusetts. Oh, it's a Massachusetts thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. But also it is a cat. Yeah. Well, a lot of us are Irish Catholic or Italian, Italian Catholic, Puerto Rican cat. There's a lot of Puerto Ricans here. Um, yeah, so I would say, like, you know, if I feel like that's what I'm going to do if I leave the house, just go to sleep. Yeah, because we're detoxing for a while, longer than we, I, I, for a while. Yeah. I think I napped for the first seven years of my sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thank God you said that, yeah. I always. Adderall has no withdrawals. That's bullshit. Adderall definitely has withdrawals. I was sleepy for nine full months. Jeez. I finally just started getting getting my energy back. We're gonna find out in ten years that Adderall is worse for you than cigarettes. Watch, we're gonna find out it it causes all sorts of shit, or they already know and they're not releasing it. You know, you got well. Be- it's a, like that with alcohol. I just saw this article about alcohol, like is a drug, and that like just the way that the like, government lied to everyone about cigarettes, mm-hmm. that they're lying to pe- lying to us about alcohol. That, yeah, you know, I mean alcohol is a drug you know it's, it's got to be so i i just think of hand sanitizer and you're telling me this shit kills covid and i used to put this in my body like <laughs> i i right I, I know that's it i know it's just like uh, oh god I, it's, I sometimes i'm just like man yeah what did i, I do? should say it kills, oh, kills covid on surfaces because that makes it sound like you can drink to kill covid <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is a myth. I was reading an article. It's a, a myth is that if you drink, just like not sanitizer, but if you drink alcohol, it will kill the virus. Yeah, folks at home, that is not true. <laughs> folks, yeah. Please don't do that. <laughs> and I can pull up that article. There's some weird fucking myths about coronavirus yeah. and alcohol. There's a, I, I, I have to get, I have to pull up that, that article. It was a good, it was good. Cause I was like, people are believing this. Like, yeah. I just, like, I'm not exposed. Like I'm, I like in my, all my, like 
accounts, all my media accounts, like because I'm not clicking on like drink or this, like I, I don't get any like advertisements about alcohol or I don't see any feed. Like I don't, for some reason, I just don't see people posting about how much they're drinking, but my, my husband does like, he's not an alcoholic, but I guess he just gets, I don't know why. Like the algorithms. Yeah. I guess Facebook knows I'm an alcohol uh, alcoholic. In recovery. Yeah. In recovery, right. So like they know not to like, they don't want to trigger me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can, and this is also something I figured out in early sobriety. You can go into your Facebook and actually customize what you get ads for. So if you're, I was still getting ads for breweries and nightclubs, drink specials and everything. So I had to go in. There's a way to do it in your settings. Um, That's cool to know. Yeah. But you know, it's like, like again, about triggers just real quick. Like, tr- I, I don't really like that word because when people say I was triggered by yeah. X, well, no, you chose to drink over X. I mean, if you're drinking over a trigger, your, your recovery needed to step its game up like two months ago. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's the last thing. I mean, the world is at this point, let's just call it what it is. The world is ending. I'm still not going to fucking drink. I don't care if it's, I don't care if I know we're about to die in an atomic bomb blast. You think mm. I'm going to go to the, you think the last thing I'm going to do is drink? No. Mm. <laughs> like, well, I'm dying sober. Fuck yeah. that. Like this, the world is literally crumbling around us. And like, that doesn't to me, you know, and I'm, that sounds pretty dramatic, but you know, to, <laughs> to me, that's not an excuse to drink. Nothing's an excuse to drink. If you want to drink though, you're gonna, so you'll find an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I like that. I, I'd like to be aware of the fact that our, the world is ending. Well, a little bit. Yeah. Without yeah. stress, you know, staying in the day, but also like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hope the world doesn't end. No, I'm think I think we're all right. Yeah, okay. I just I watched I, I watched this weird movie about like people in space and the world like blew up. Wait, what was it? It's it's new. Like the, this, I find these really fucked up shows. I just read Ender's Game, which is pretty similar, and Maze Runner actually. Oh yeah. It, yeah. If That's you're a one. child, then yeah, I like to read YA lit because you know my kids, students. Ah, teacher and the teacher and president and district attorney and comedian and podcaster. (laughs) You're like, please never let me run for anything political. That sounds terrible. Are you kidding? I would never. I I just can't imagine being in politics. No, I'm good. Yeah, me me too. Thanks anyway. No, I'm good. Yeah, but for triggers, um, you can't avoid them, so you gotta find them and de and dewire them. Mm. I always my I would say always because it's almost a hundred percent. Whenever I would get into a fight with somebody, if my recovery was already rocky, and I had been thinking about drinking and not telling anyone for long enough, and then I get into a fight with a significant other or a family member, somebody close to me that I love, I'm gonna guarantee you go drink over it because i know that's a trigger on mine so if i'm in an argument with someone or there's tension between me and someone else and i don't immediately call someone and, and air it out um or otherwise deal with it like that's toxic and it's gonna sit inside me so yeah don't do that <laughs> talk to people 
you know. And there was definitely times I could have avoided relapse by just calling somebody and talking to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because a drink is just like a, a temporary solution, a temporary horrible solution to your temporary thoughts, you know, like the yeah. thoughts that will can change just by talking it out or, you know, yeah. taking a health, healthier approach to, you know, to, to managing it. Because then the drinking just adds like, you get drunk and then you're like drinking for, for me, I would just go, you know on and on and on and on and on i couldn't i had no off switch <laughs> if i drink one day i'm drinking the next and the next and the next that's it and i have to know that so today like if i were to make that choice i know i'm not just choosing to drink once because that's not how i drink i drink like an alcoholic yeah and then i would go through times where i'd be like oh i'm controlling it like i would really right, hard. Yeah. i'd be like oh I'm, all, I'm only drinking three and then i would just be sitting there like at the bar i'm like okay I've, Mm -hmm. I'm only having three and I'm like thinking about it we're like yeah that's not normal so like I'm definitely an alcoholic because I'm like totally obsessing about how I want a fourth I want a fifth yeah. and then there's people who like have a wine glass like or beer and it's like halfway done <laughs> for like an hour yeah and I'm like what the fuck no like, how do they do that I used to think I was controlling my drinking too, but then it would turn out, it would be like, oh, I was just really tired and I fell asleep before I could get to my fourth one. You know, if I set a drink limit for myself or, oh, I ran out of money. So of course I only had two drinks. <laughs> so my I don't have a problem. Right. My favorite rule <laughs> that I ever did was I'll only drink if somebody buys it for me. All right. Now that's a really bad rule if you're a comedian because they pay you in drinks. So. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, that was one thing when I came out, I had to do, I had to insist that I needed to be paid now in cash money and I could no longer be paid in Coke and beer, basically. Like you have to pay me in money. Um, and that was a, that, that's a real thing to navigate sometimes. You know, you might have corporate events where there's drinking and I recommend just skipping them for at least the first year. Just don't go. It's not even, it's not even going to be that fun. So just yeah. stay home and watch Jurassic Park. Come on. Yeah. There's you know, a lot out there. There's a lot of stuff on TV. And if you can't yeah. focus on books, there's like there's so many series with episodes. Just get addicted to that. Yeah. Go, go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Well, there's yeah. so much other shit to do. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously times you can't avoid being around alcohol. So um, you just have to know what your plan is. I, I recommend yeah. the book Living Sober. It was a great book to have on hand it will walk you right through it i always have a drink in my hand i never i'm never at a party without a drink it just happens to be that that drink it, i love non-alcoholic ginger beer and red bull pouring in the cup looks just like beer if you're self-conscious yeah then you can have a heart attack but at least you didn't drink <laughs> shit yeah then after a while like i, I remember I'd be like i hold stuff to make it make people think i was drinking i'm like but wait, after a while, I was like, wait, I don't want people to think I'm drinking because I don't, I don't like that I was drinking that much. So, I, so I'm so i like, I don't give a shit anymore. And people are like, oh, what are you drinking? Is that a gin and tonic? I'm like, no, a seltzer and seltzer. Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> a Poland and Springs. <laughs> yeah. Poland Springs on the rocks, please. Yeah. <laughs> the twist of a lime. And, yeah. so, and, you know, and now I just don't care anymore. And now, I, and so I would actually go, like, now that, 
when I was in the beginning going to what parties I had to go to like family functions that I wanted to go to, but everyone would be drinking, you know? So I like, I had that rule that I had to go and I, and really focus. Cause you know, alcoholism is like all about like, you're so self-focused, right? So like, yeah. so about like, if you just stop being so goddamn selfish, you know, and think about other people. So I, w- I would go to these parties. I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to like, a- I'm going to get to three people who I really don't know that well. And I want to know better. And I'm like going to come loaded with like five questions per person. That's and so then, great. And like yeah. make sure. And like, that was my goal. Like if I say focused on like, I had to achieve getting answers, but it was, and then I'm like, wow, I'm so psyched. I, I feel like I'm really, I feel like I'm really connected with this person. And then that yeah. person was probably like, wow, Sarah is the nicest person today. She was like asking me all these questions because I wasn't so busy trying to get fucked up, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was something that worked for me early on. Um, yeah. and, um, or hiding in the bathroom and calling my sponsor or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always like, always make sure you have a way out to like yeah that's huge because if you can't leave somewhere and you end up stuck there i mean that is for me because that is a trigger for me is being stuck mm-hmm. I, I used to hate feeling constricted or and with the start of covid that's why i started sober during crisis i was so freaked out by not being able to go to my meetings in person mm. i couldn't physically go into work because the schools were all closed yeah, I can't see it. And even my family, because a big part of me getting sober was me recommitting to spending time with my family. And for me, that's my sister and her kids. And so once a week, I would go over and play with them. And that was so important to me. You know, I wanted to be sober and be active in their lives and be active, active in my sister's life. And so losing that too, like that was really hard. So that's why I started going like, I bet I'm not the only one struggling. You know, I can't possibly be the only one with this awkward number. Like I had eight months sober, which is like just enough time Mm. to forget how bad it was and not enough time to really have all new solidified routines and habits. Like like sobriety still wasn't coming 100% naturally to me. So talking to other people about what they're doing to stay sober and what their program is, is like, I mean, it's lit. A lot of people are doing the same shit. But sometimes I get a new resource or a new, a new way of looking at sobriety and recovery that I'm just like, thank God I'm doing this. Like, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's yeah. so smart of you to do that. Like, you, I mean, it's, a, it's like a form of self care what you did starting the podcast. And then you're in this like you're you're not in a competitive niche of podcasting because we all want to promote each other's podcasts because we just all want to help each other. I know. I was so happy to have you on the show. You were my first. Uh, person who also has a podcast guest if that awesome. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i guess yeah, i got yeah. uh i did one last night with the guy who helps run the buddhist recovery network i didn't even know he had a podcast i just found him on sober instagram and hit him up so it you know stuff awesome. like that happens like you realize like oh my god there's a whole community of people that that want to talk to me about their recovery and that want to hear about mine mm-hmm. what a beautiful thing no one used to give a shit about me are you serious? I was a ghost in the corner trying to get drunk so that I could have a personality. Mm. You know? Well, you have a great personality. So you- I didn't know that before. I thought I was, <laughs> you know, I was always drunk. So I didn't remember if I did. If I made someone laugh, whew, I didn't know. Well, now you know when you make people laugh. <laughs> That's- 
That's better than like being a blackout. Like, oh yeah. Right. I think I was what did gonna, I say? What did I right? say? <laughs> I used to think I was going to get sober and not be funny, but I realized too, I used to record my comedy sets because I didn't remember what jokes I did. So I would record them, watch them back the next day and be like, well, that was a pretty good set. It turns out you can still be funny if you're sober. It's You're even better at it because people understand you the entire time. Yeah. And then, and then you have a whole, like you have a whole new, like a whole new platform. Like, sobriety in itself is like you once everyone once you get sober and you can just like laugh about it there's just so many jokes that you like there's oh, just so many i say uh i got sober because uh i was emotionally underage <laughs> and that ever since i started getting sober i've been uh eating a lot more hot dogs which is true that's my <laughs> new favorite food uh, but i didn't used to eat them because i didn't know like what was in them you know but like I never once said that shit about cocaine. <laughs> uh, and then I do this. this is my favorite. I'm wearing basketball shorts, but I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, I'll say, I'll be like, hold on. <laughs> I'll be like, <laughs> I'm getting a performance here. That's great. Street yeah, performance. Like, uh, uh, man, you know, I've definitely been eating. I really let myself go to the mall. Check out these new clothes. Okay. I do make weird faces like that. All right. Well, good. Okay, so this is the longest oh, interview. It's been so, so great. Wake up, everyone. I hope you're not asleep. I know. I bet. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been so fun. And I think I'm going to make a requirement that, that we do face-to-face. Um, we do. Yeah. Any, um, and, and so, like, if you, have any, if you have any recommendations for other people to interview, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same to you actually. If send anybody yeah. my way, that'd be yeah, awesome. yeah. Because I think I I know people who who, I mean, because people come to me, they like they wanna they wanna talk about their recovery because they want it, it keeps us sober, right? Like when we yeah. talk about like where we were and how much better things are, and and how we can't imagine going back to where it was. You know, right. we have to we have to remember. We have to keep sharing. We share the stories. Like, you know, somebody can hear a story and that can be like, oh my gosh. I'm going to rehab now because I just heard that story. You know, I heard that story on, on that podcast or on, uh, you know, right. sober during crisis. I mean, they're not alone. Like people are Mm-mm. not alone. It's <clears throat> so many of us. I used to think people that were sober were just different caliber of people and I could never be like them. I, yeah. you know, now I hear myself talk. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Man. Well, thanks so much. Maybe we'll have a part two of this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When the COVID's over. Rate, rate, review, and subscribe, everybody. Yeah. Please, the reviews. The reviews are helpful because then it like spreads the new, it spreads our podcast. Isn't it that the algorithms, like when you, when you write a review and it makes it like more visible to people? Yeah. Let's go with that. I don't know how it works. It's a mystery to me. It's a true mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good luck with everything and um, stay, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Sarah. It was good to see you. Or I guess good yeah. to talk to you again. Good to see you. Yeah. So this was so fun. Yeah. So thanks. fun. Have a okay. great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Take care. Bye. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. 
Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Thank you.